Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Bridge the Atlantic, where we get to know the people behind the creative industries. We are your hosts, music web designer Ross Barber, owner of Electric Kiwi, where we create awesome custom websites for bands, artists, and musicians. And I'm award-winning singer-songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, and indie filmmaker, Marcia Novelli. With us this week is Jason Flom. Jason is the CEO of Lava Records and Lava Music Publishing. He also served as chairman and CEO at Atlantic Records, Virgin Records and Capital Music Group and is personally responsible for launching acts such as Kid Rock, Katy Perry and Lord. In 1995, he founded uh, Lava Records as a joint venture with Atlantic Records, which turned out to be one of the most successful startups in music business history. The New Yorker described Jason as one of the most successful record men of the past 20 years, known for his specialty in delivering monsters. As well as his career in music, Jason is also a leading philanthropist who has long championed various political and social causes. He has demonstrated his commitment to social justice as a founding member of the Innocence Project and a board member of Families Against Mandatory Minimums, the Drug Policy Alliance, and the Legal Action Center. We're excited to hear more about his career and the advice he has for artists like me who want to have a successful career in the music industry. So, hi Jason, how are you? I'm good. How are you? It sounds like you're doing okay without me. I don't know if you want to mess it up. <laughs> you know, uh, there's a there's a friend of ours. His name is Chris Keaton. He was a, he's actually a previous guest in the show, and uh, he actually let us know recently because uh, we had a we had a recent call with him that he met you a few years back, and he warned us that you are one of the funniest people he has ever met. So no pressure or anything, but he did say that you're going to have us laughing a lot. Wait, what was his? You're breaking up on me. What was his name? Oh, his name is Chris Keaton. Oh, Chris Keaton. Well, I like him already. <laughs> anyway. All right, so let's jump in uh, and have you tell us three things about yourself that everyone should know. Uh, three things about myself that everyone should know real quick. So uh, I love animals. I love sports. And... Um, What's the third one? Let me see. Uh, let me see. I pronounce it very correctly. And and, uh, and, I'm, and I want to make the world a better place. Is someone whispering it to you? Yeah, I got a hint from my uh, my my trusty assistant, Jenna. Jenna Rosiero, <laughs> give her a shout out. I love that. Yeah, I couldn't remember the third thing about myself. It's sort of like when Rick Perry forgot what the thing. Remember the debate, and Rick Perry couldn't remember the third thing that he was supposed to say. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's a great yeah. moment in politics. Anyway, um, and, and I'm a, and I'm a very liberal Democrat. So that's the fourth thing. Well, we have a lot in common. I love animals very yeah. much, so that I won't eat them. And uh, I'm definitely an extreme. Oh, pretty much an extreme leftist. How about you, Ross? Would you say you are? Uh, yeah, and I would. I, I love your love of animals. I uh, I've been, you know, looking at you on Instagram, and you always have pictures of your dogs, and they're awesome. So, uh, so Jason, you started out as a trainee um, field uh, merchandiser at uh, Atlantic. 
Yeah, it was uh, at the time. I thought it was the greatest job in the world. I was running around putting up uh, Led Zeppelin posters and other ACDC and all this other stuff, and making four dollars an hour and getting free music. And I was like, "This is the best job ever." So, um, yeah, I really fell in love with the business as a result of that. I mean, I was I was lucky to be working at Atlantic at the days, you know, in the glory days, right? Right. And uh, you know, working under the legendary uh, founder Ahmed Erdogan. You know, I mean, he didn't he didn't know me at the time, but you know. Um, it was it was an amazing place to be. Well, th- does that put you in a position running Lava Records? Do you feel that you have an appreciation for everybody at every single level of employment because you've started at you started at such a humble beginning? I, I think so. I like to think so. I mean, everybody had to start somewhere, and um, you know, I, I I try to be very respectful of everyone uh, in all walks of life because you know. I mean, we're all the same. Um, you know, it's nice when you get a fancy title and you get to, you know, have a, a nice, nicer salary than four dollars an hour. But you know, it's you know, it's important not to forget where you came from and to treat everybody with respect. I'd love to know if, if you can give us a quick summary of what happened from then and now, and maybe let us know some highlights uh, or eureka moments you had. Well, yeah, the quick summary would be um, I. Uh, you know, I fell in love with the business. I decided I wanted to be an A and R because it looked like the best job and a better job than putting up posters. Um, so I was uh, through a combination of serendipity, synchronicity, luck, and perseverance. I uh, discovered my first band, which was actually uh, I have the cassette on my desk. It was Zebra. No way. Um, and uh, you know, I was um, I was able to convince my again through a combination of those things I mentioned, I was able to convince my boss to sign them and the record was a hit. So I got a job doing A&R as I had hoped for. Um, at that time, my salary was 20000 a year, which was still better than $4 an hour. You can do the math. Not a huge amount of money, but I was thrilled to be able to listen to music and uh, get paid for it. And then, uh, that's an oversimplification, obviously. And then, uh, then I wound up signing, discovering a lot of other bands that became successful. Uh, I had a little um, hiccup there when I got a little carried away in the excesses of the business at the time. I ended up in rehab uh, and came out of there a little dizzy. But then the next thing I knew, I had this band called White Lion that I had signed, and they broke. Um, again, it was sort of a miracle how it happened. But my life is full of miracles, um, and um, in a very—I don't mean that in a religious way at all. But uh, and then you know came Skid Row and Tori Amos at that time, and you know so many other acts that became popular and uh, Stone Temple Pilots, etc. They gave me a chance to start my own label. I wasn't sure if they, it was because they wanted to get me out of the way because they thought see the music was changing. I was like the hard rock guy, but I, I think they <laughs> set me up to fail. But I came up with this name Lava that I really liked. Started Lava Records uh, with uh, three employees and no artists and a very small budget. And then in the next, um, we went on this crazy roll for the next eight years where we broke uh, at least one platinum, multi-platinum artist every year. The biggest ones were uh, Matchbox 20, Kid Rock, and The Coors during that time. Uh, And it was really crazy. I mean, we sold almost 100 million records in eight years. Now, it was easier back then because records were something that you bought. You had to buy. What if you felt like buying them? Um, so, well, you still have to feel like buying them, but you didn't have the option to get it for free. And, uh, and then I ended up selling the company to Atlantic. They made me the chairman of Atlantic Records, which I thought was a crazy thing because I was like, really? I mean, it's crazy. My first thought, and this was almost 25 years to the day that I started working there. So my first thought was, 
You mean I get to decide if it's a snow day or not? And I don't know where you've got <laughs> located, but in New York, we have snow days. Canada. Like, <laughs> I'm not far from you. I'm in uh, southern Those Canada. So. Arizona, you wouldn't know about that. But anyway, <laughs> so, yeah, it was really like uh, I couldn't believe they were giving me the keys to the place. Um, that, that didn't last terribly long because I, you know, didn't get along great with uh, senior management at the time. And I uh, wound up uh, sort of leaving there, not of my own uh, decision, but it was fine. And then I got the job running Virgin, um, which was really exciting because I got to do the 44-year-old Virgin ad that you may have seen. I don't know if we have it here. Um, but anyway, uh, at the time that I became chairman of Virgin, the hottest movie in the country was the 40-year-old Virgin. So I, uh, I can show you I have it on my old business card. Yeah. So instead of running a normal announcement, making, naming myself chairman of uh, or uh, announcing that I had been named chairman of Virgin Records, I instead took a picture as the 40-year-old Virgin. <laughs> it looked something like this, if you can see this. Let's see yeah, this yeah. One. Um, I'm do this way. The camera's up there. I love right? it. So, I love it. Um, so <laughs> I, I ran a full-page ad in, in Billboard Hits, and it really set the tone for a great run that we went on. And, you know, during the time I was at Virgin and then Virgin merged with Capital, I ran the two companies combined. You know, I, I was lucky to sign Katy Perry, and that worked out very well um really really well for her so um oh, i gotcha <laughs> and then eventually the company was bought uh and uh i left and went and started up lava again uh and um i got the name back in a golf game with my former boss Lee Cohn. and um you know, I was glad because I didn't want us to come up with a new name because it's hard to come up with good names. And so uh, I started Lava again, this time with Republic. And it's been a fun ride here. You know, we're now um, in our, you know, so second half of our first decade. Um, so I've been here a little bit over five years. And, of course, the, the most um, successful new artists thus far have been Lord and Jesse J. But we also have trans Siberian Orchestra and Blackville Brides. And, um, you know, again, it's a small operation, uh, but it's a lot of fun. And that's what we're doing. That's my story. That was an amazing awesome. summary. Just yeah, gotta say, yeah. we, see you guys later. See ya. <laughs> we can just sit down here and relax. We don't have to do anything, Ross. This is awesome. <laughs> this is the easiest job in the world. It's true. It's true. It's true. It's Anyway. Uh, Jason, I want to go back a little bit. I really appreciate you being open about uh, saying that you went through a bit of a difficult time there and uh, overcame it uh, by going to rehab. Uh, that's something I think that a lot of our listeners can probably relate to because it's not uncommon, particularly in the music industry, to get yourself into, um, you know, not so good things. You know, um, you know, how important has it been to get yourself out of that and keep and how difficult has it been to keep yourself away from that being so integral in and so deep into the music industry? Well, I don't think it's any different in the music industry than any other industry. I okay. mean, drug, drugs are a part of society, and um, it, it affects people from all walks of life. Uh, it really is, a, you know, it's just a, a, I think that the, the real issue is that society has to learn to treat it as a medical problem and not yes. a problem. Yes. And so that's what I've been working on for 24 years now, is trying to uh, get rid of these ridiculous drug laws that we have in this country, because, it, you know, it could have been me that could have been victimized by these ridiculous um, laws, you know. So, uh, and then the good news is we're at a tipping point now. So, um, with that stuff. So, yeah, I don't think the, the music industry is, is no, uh, I certainly don't want to make it sound like it's any sort of hotbed for that sort of right, stuff. Right. Like, I think it's just, it's the people, the people in the business, you know, uh, there is a, a I mean, yeah, it's a different subject, but there's some <laughs> sort of connection, I think, between creativity and 
addiction yes. uh, throughout history, right? I mean, if you go back to, uh, you know, anybody from Freud to Van Gogh to whoever, um, you know, a lot of the, but, but then again, there's others who aren't, you know, I mean, there's some, some of the most brilliantly creative people in the history of the world, like Paul McCartney, never had any issues that I know of with anything like that. So, um, so, you know, whatever. Um, I mean, it just is what it is and it's something you have to overcome and you have to grow up and, um, you know, it's very sad because Scott Weiland, who I used to work with, yes. uh, died and, um, you know, he, uh, he never was able to, uh, successfully battle those demons, but, um, uh, it, it is it is a shame because uh, he was a, he was a really nice person and um, extremely talented, obviously. But um, you know, you can't. Uh, you, you eventually got to if you have those problems, you got to deal with it. Or eventually, it kicks your ass. Well, I think we we can totally relate, and we can. Uh, I strongly agree on rehabilitation versus sentencing and treating it like a crime rather than a medical problem. Um, you know, for example, I mean, Scott Wiley, I didn't know him personally or anything uh, like you did, but, you know, the poor guy struggled with bipolar disorder from what I'm aware of, and, you know, he never, he didn't seem to get the help that he needed. And, you know, and, and unfortunately, even, I guess I'll talk just in that situation, I've already seen people just saying stupid things like, oh, what do you expect? And I find that such a disrespectful, rude thing to say to someone who is struggling with something and didn't get the opportunity to overcome it. You know, so I definitely hands up to you for uh, doing what you can to to help change people's minds. Uh, I am proud that in Canada we do treat it a lot more like a medical issue, um, but still the mentality of people is you know they're criminals and that's it. You know, so hopefully we can all do our part to change that for sure. Yeah, uh, well, I hope that people that are listening will will get involved and or watching or whatever they're doing, um, and and you know will become part of the solution. Agreed. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. My, my philosophy on that and we'll get back to music is that no one should ever go to jail for anything they do to their own bodies unless they put anybody else in harm's way or if they hurt somebody else in the process that's a different story but I think that everybody should be able to marry who they want what they want, when they want to they should be able to uh, uh, you know, do whatever they want in the comfort of their own home or in any environment that's safe and uh, you know, drugs have always been a part of society they always will be and it's, you know, it's, it's the, 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 the current uh, uh, policy doesn't work. It's funny, you know, I actually just started a, a, a little, um, I started a thing called the Church of Rock and Roll to promote these values, you know, so we have our Instagram and our website up, and it's really a church where it promotes, you know, we stand for personal freedom, and we stand for creativity and art, and, um, you know, and being a good person, and be, you know, our first commandment is be kind to yourself, to other people, to animals, and the earth. How that's like, that's it. I mean, it's really. Where not, can I join? <laughs> not that tricky. You know yeah. I mean? Anyway, Pretty so basic. Join the Church of Rock and Roll. It's it's right there. Get on the Instagram. You love it. I love it. I love okay. it. Well, that's that's uh, that's one church that I would happily be a member of. It's uh, only the only church. <laughs> yeah, the only <laughs> church. Make you a minister. It's all good. Um, anyway, so <laughs> this it. is your interview. So what else do you want to talk about? <laughs> so back to music. Uh, I'm interested in your reputation for creating monsters. And when we, when we say monsters, we mean like, you know, superstar, you know, musicians rather than, you know, the kind of monsters that hide under your bed. So what are the main things that you look for when you're signing or wanting to work with an artist? Like what's the most important thing or most important qualities, I guess, in an artist? Well, in the business, you know, there's an old saying that the two most important things in order are the song and the singer. And so, you know, everybody has to have, if you're going to be successful, you have to have great songs. If you don't have great songs, then you're done. Um, And then, you know, it helps to be able to sing. 
you can actually have a hit song with a great song if you're not a good singer, but you can't have a hit song if you're a great singer you don't have a good song. Um, these are generalities, but they're pretty close to absolute. And, uh, and then I look for stars. I mean, I like to, um, you know, I wanted to be one when I was a kid, and then I realized that I was never going to be the world's best guitar player. So, um, but I, you know, when I grew up, there were all these larger-than-life characters, you know, like, uh, the, the, there was really the, the renaissance period of music. So you had, you know, I could go to Madison Square Garden uh, on any given week and see you know, Led Zeppelin or the Rolling Stones or Aerosmith or um, I miss seeing the Beatles because I was too too young, but, um, you know, Pink Floyd or Queen or like, you know, iconic, amazing. So now, you know, the rock side of the business, unfortunately, has really died. Um, so the, the stars now are either pop stars or rap stars, but that's okay. It's just, you know, I can't do anything about it. It is what it is. I'm trying. Um, I would love to find another band that's an iconic rock band. But so, so I look for the song, the singer, and the personality, like somebody who walks in a room and just takes all the oxygen out of the room just because they're there. That's what I call a star. Well, Jared Leto and 30 Seconds to Mars definitely come to mind when you talk about star quality as well as one of the last real rock bands, I think. So, you know, they're still out there for sure. H haven't you worked personally with Jared Leto at some point? So it's actually a good story. When I, um, when I took over Virgin Records, um, you know, it's a very strange process because all of a sudden here you are and a box of CDs arrived at my door, which was all the artists signed to Virgin Records. I'm like, how the hell am I going to digest all this information? It's impossible, right? And you have to, then you're suddenly in a position to try to figure out which artists to promote, which ones to maybe drop, which ones to, you know, continue with. And, uh, so you go around and you ask people and you try to learn as much as you can. And uh, 30 Seconds to Mars had had one unsuccessful LP to that point. They had a new one out that wasn't doing very well. And uh, the people that I spoke to told me that, that it was like a vanity project for an actor and it wasn't going anywhere and nobody liked them and press didn't like them and nothing was going. It was just a big, like, uh, big mess and everyone advised me that I should drop the band. Fortunately, as fate would have it, they were performing in Madison Square Garden um, that week uh, or soon afterwards, opening for Audio Slave. And so I went and they put on this remarkable show. You know, they were dressed in like the clockwork orange outfits and waving these big orange flags. And they put on, you know, the best rock show I'd seen in years. And so I went to dinner with Jared afterwards. And uh, he told me he had just been offered the lead one of the lead roles in the new Clint Eastwood movie and I said yeah and he says yeah I turned it down I said why'd you turn it down he said because I'm on tour with my band I said you know it was a hard conversation to have with Mr. Eastwood but you know and I was like that's the most rock and roll thing I've heard in like forever like I said and I'll do anything it takes to break your band because with that level of commitment it's going to happen so I called MTV they hadn't made a video to that point, and I said, I'm going to uh, make a, I'm going to have them make a video. I'm going to give them money to make a proper video, and then I'm going to send it to you guys. And if you don't play it in a rotation that I deem appropriate, I'm going to stage a hunger strike in your lobby. So I said, you know, I'm going to, send, I'm going to bring an espresso machine. I can't live without caffeine, but I can go a long time without food. So I'm just going to sit there cross-legged until you play. So anyway, the good news was Jared made that remarkable video for The Kill. Yes. And uh, I didn't actually have to have strike because I don't actually like starving. This and, is all uh, and that circle. was the beginning of the process of breaking the band. Obviously, there's a lot more than that to it than that. But uh, 
I remain close with Jared, and I'm, I'm really, really proud of everything that he's accomplished. It's all come full circle, because I'm actually, I was on set of The Kill, and um, I was one of the, the twins that they made, but they had to replace me at last minute, I wasn't tall enough. But yeah, I was on that set, I was part of all that. So that's kind of strange, we're talking now, and everything's kind of coming full circle. It's weird, but it's cool. There's you were one of the twins? I was one of the twins. Uh, last minute, Jared had to replace me, though, just because I wasn't of equal height with everyone else. I was the only really short one, but I was on set. My wife, you can see my wife clearly in the in the video, and I was, you could see me as well, but yeah, it was fun. It was a lot of fun times, and right after that, it was just, whoo, did they ever blow up ridiculously yeah. after that. Yeah. yeah, Jared's one of those people. He can do anything he sets his mind to. Yeah, I, I've had the opportunity of meeting him a few times, and he's uh, he's always been very generous and kind with his time and, and uh, with his words of advice and to support. So, very cool, very cool. One of the biggest challenges in the music industry is, is getting your foot in the door. Um, you did a really interesting uh, interview with uh, Steve Rennie on uh, Renman Live, um, and you had a great story about ways that people can get noticed and kind of get their face in front of the people that are going to make the decisions. Um, have you got any suggestions for people that are trying to work in the industry but don't quite know how to get in front of the people that they need to get in front of. Well, yeah, it goes back to what you just said. I mean, getting your foot in the door is everything, right? Once you're in somewhere, then you have a chance to, and whatever that is. I mean, if you're in some uh, remote city, uh, you know, there's still a booking agent there or a club promoter or a radio station or uh, whatever. Um, you know, so I would say, you know, you just got to go get an internship, get a get an assistant position, get somewhere where you get a chance to get into the mix and meet people. Obviously, if you're in New York or L.A. and you can figure out a way and people do. I mean, it's hard. It's an insular thing. And it's um, a lot of people want those few jobs that are available. But, yeah, I think it's it's really that's the most most important thing is to get you know, and, and ideally get yourself a position somewhere that's, uh, you know, where you, where you have some potential to meet people and network and move up. And then it's up to you to make your own breaks. How's, as an artist, how, how important do you think it is for um, an artist to put themselves into a city like New York or Los Angeles uh, to kind of make things happen for themselves? I think it's less important than it used to be because now you can get discovered, um, you know, online from anywhere, right? I mean, when <clears throat> when I first heard, you know, Lord, for instance, she was in New Zealand, which is as remote as you can get, and uh, you know, she was 15. So there's no rules. I mean, um, I, I think yeah, I think it's less important than it used to be. Very interesting. So you ready for 20 questions, Jason? 20 questions. Coffee or tea? Coffee, all day, every day. Meat or veggies? Mostly veggies. I've become a pescatarian, um, and I will only eat meat if it's certified humanely raised. Woohoo! TV or Netflix? Netflix, because making a murderer is the best thing I've seen in forever. Twitter or Facebook? Instagram. Yoga or yogurt? <laughs> Why do I have to choose one or the other? They're both great. You could have them both at the same time if you're flexible enough, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's tricky. Downward-facing dog and the upward-facing yogurt and the... I don't know. It's weird. My dog... <laughs> My dog loves when I do yoga. She actually rips up my yoga mat. I posted on my Instagram about uh, months ago a, a video of her ripping. Uh, my yoga mat says fuck yoga on it, and she's tearing the thing up as I'm doing a downward-facing dog. It's really kind of special. 
Um, by the way, you should be following me on Instagram if you're not already. Um, it's Jason Flom, ITS Jason Flom. So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You post a ton of great stuff on there. there. Breaking Bad or Homeland? Breaking Bad. Good call. New York or Los Angeles? New York. Come on. Of course, it's 10 degrees here. Education or experience? Education or experience? Wow. Um, experience for me, education for my kids. <laughs> <laughs> Now, it's Battle of the Justins. We've got Justin Bieber or Justin Timberlake. Hmm. Wow. I like Justin Tranter. You know him? I don't I, know. I don't. Justin Tranter was a, he was a singer in Semi-Precious Weapons, and now he's become one of the top songwriters in pop music. Justin, I hope you're listening because you're my favorite, Justin. Canada or Scotland? Canada or Scotland? Yep. Now, I'm in Scotland, and Marcio's in Canada, so... You know, Canada or Scotland? I'm going to go Scotland because they have better golf courses. Which actually brings <laughs> us on to our next question, which is golf or basketball? Golf for me, basketball for my son. And this actually gives me a bonus question, which is who would win in a game of golf, you or Renman? Me or Renman? Oh, unfortunately, Renman would win. He's a stud. I mean, he, uh, I think he has the advantage of having been playing since he was a kid. And he's, uh, yeah, he's one of the best golfers in the music industry. He's top, probably top three. I mean... Uh, so yeah, I mean, unfortunately I have to give it up to Renman on that one. Family guy or American dad? Family guy. I mean, it's the greatest thing. I, I think it's, you know, I mean, family guy is, it's, it's, it's almost impossibly great. I think Hamilton is the best thing I've seen since family guy was invented. Style or substance? Style or substance. Um, well, I would say fashion over function, but substance over style. That is a great answer. Yeah. Thank you. One for the good guys. <laughs> Skiing or snowboarding? Snowboarding. Yeah, uh, if there's powder. If there's no powder, then you gotta put the skis on or else you just go hiking. Michael Jackson or Michael Bolton? Is that a serious question? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's 100%. 100%. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. It must be a bad connection. I thought you said Michael Jackson or Michael Bolton. Um, I did. We love the Bolt over here. No, no, don't say we uh, love the yeah, Bolt. Yeah, I mean, well... We love the Bolt. I'll go for the one that wears one glove on his hand for no reason. All right, it, I like it. Yeah. Michael Jackson, I mean, come on, the guy's, you know, I mean, he's not here anymore, but... Uh, He's, you know, he'll be remembered forever. He's one of the greatest of all time. Celine Dion or Marilyn Manson? Marilyn Monroe. Good answer. <laughs> you can have that. You can have that. Good answer. But otherwise, Marilyn Manson, yes. yes. Uh, I, I have a lot of respect for him. Uh, as, as uh, Yeah, he's, he's, an, he's a really interesting and amazing guy. Um, you know, some, so, so a, lot of, a lot of crazy in there, but... Uh, it strikes me as a very intelligent and, and um, innovative person. Ricky Gervais or Ricky Martin? Well, I'm I'm a big fan of uh, of uh, Ricky Gervais. I, I think uh, Ricky Gervais, uh, you know, his philosophy, his, yeah, his philosophy is totally on point. I mean, he's a great Instagram follow too. Whale or kale? Whale or kale? Well, again, they're related, and I'm not sure why they're mutually exclusive, right? <laughs> um, so I would—they uh, they rhyme, Jason. Basically, they rhyme. 
They rhyme. They rhyme. That's, that's rhyme. how we do things here on Bridge Atlantic. They rhyme, so they become a question. <laughs> Whale or kill, and then there's Wale. You left him out of it. He's great. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Bat Midler or the Riddler. Is there any proof that they're not the same person? In fact, no. I think you finally figured it out. I mean, there could be a conspiracy it. thing here. I gotta really look into that. But this makes uh, sense. Yeah, Ben Midler um, or the Riddler. Um, well, one is good and one is bad, right? I mean, Riddler always trying to mess stuff up, and Bat's just trying to make everybody laugh and sing and be happy. And she's sort of a, she's an icon. And um, yeah, I actually have a picture of her in my living room. Ironically, final question is very cruel, but it is important. And finally, it is this guy Ross or Marcio, me. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing, but I got my arms up here. I mean, there's, that's a multi. Keep in mind, I'm, I'm also a struggling so singer-songwriter. I mean, at your core, you can relate to that. You know what I mean, Jason? Well, I mean, you're the more, you know, gregarious one, you know? I mean, and he's the more thoughtful one. He's He seems to be more of the rhyming kind of guy, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's got the hat, he's got the fucked up hair. So... Uh, trying to, I'm this trying to true. balance this out. This I mean, true. you know, you're more of the, you know, I mean, it's, I, oof, this is a hard one. Um, <laughs> so the question was again, you or you? Yeah. Um, is there a door number three? You know what? I, I would be surprised. You can you make your own door. Else. Make your own door. What you would know, you like door number three to be? Well, door number three. I mean, it's interesting. Did, did, you, did you guys ever see Let's Make a Deal? Oh, yeah. So did you ever see Let's Make a Deal? Yeah, I've seen it. No, right. I've not. So then yeah. you. So then I'm going to leave you with this little brain teaser. You ready? So, do you know what the Monty Hall problem is? No. Okay, so the Monty Hall problem is that um, Monty Hall was the host of Let's Make a Deal. I love this. This makes me crazy. It's going to make everybody else crazy too. So when you're on Mental Let's Make a Deal, you would go on the show, and uh, there would be three doors. And if you were the, lucky to be ticked as the contestant, you would have to choose door number one, door number two, or door number three. And did I ever tell you this? So, so there you are. We're going to let you do it this time. So you would have to, behind one of the doors is something you really wanted, like a car, like a sports car or something. And the other two doors would have like a, you know, something you really didn't want, like a pile of something that's really bad. Whatever. I was going to say a goat, but we all love animals and I don't <laughs> like disparaging to goats. So anyway, so... So now you pick a door for the sake of this experiment. Pick a door. One, two, or three. Two. Okay, so then Monty would open door number one and say, boy, are you lucky that you didn't pick door number one because if you did, look what you would have gotten and there would be the goat braying in the background. And that's not a word I use every day, braying. So, uh, right? And then he would say to you, okay, so now before I open the other door and show you whether you've won or lost, do you want to stay with door number two or do you want to switch to door number three? Oh, this is so cool. Is, the question is, should you oh. stay with door number two or should you switch to door number three? Statistically speaking, do you have a better chance of being right if you stay with it, if you switch, or doesn't it make any difference? I think it wouldn't make any difference because you don't have any other information. I mean, it's 50-50 at that point, isn't it? How about you? Uh, I Oh, that's a really tough one. Um, you already know you didn't get the, the worst of it. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, this way, one is going to drive me crazy. I'm not going to sleep all night. I think I'd have to stay with it only because that was my first instinct. And if I changed it and then it ended up being number two, that was the big winner. 
I'd kick myself forever. But if I stayed with the two, I wouldn't kick myself forever because you know what? I stuck with my with with my gut feeling, which is basically uh, how I live not, my that's life. That's not scientific or statistical. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm going just, to I'm going from a philosophical spiritual point. Right now. But now you're just neurotic. Um, so anyway, <laughs> well, now you know me, man. So you the totally fact got that ninety three percent of math PhDs were given this problem and when it initially was solved, uh, got it wrong because the correct answer is that if you switch, you're going to be right two-thirds of the time. And if you stay with your original choice, you'll only be right one-third of the time. And it's crazy to think about it, but it's really true. And you can go, there's all sorts of websites devoted to this. There's like, you can go, you can Google the Monty Hall problem. It took me a week to understand it, and then my brother, who's a PhD in psychometrics, finally explained it to me. But, yeah, it's it's an amazing thing. because, And the reason is basically that once you choose the first door, you have to be right 33% of the time. There's nothing that can change that. And even though he's giving you information that you didn't have before, but that he had, you still can't fuck with the original process, which says that you're going to be right one third of the time. And it's easier if you think about it with a hundred doors. Like if you pick door number 73 or whatever, and then he opens all of them, except for door number one and door number 73, you'd probably go, well, probably go with number one then. And you'd be right uh, in that case, you know, 99 times out of 100 because he's giving you all the other doors and your first one has to be. Anyway, it's madness. You're not going to sleep tonight. It's very upsetting. It's, it's, it's wacky, but it's true. And I find it really interesting. So in this case, I'm going to switch to door number three and let you guys fight it out. <laughs> that's, that sounds... I think that's my favorite response yeah. to our evil 20th question ever. It's definitely the most thorough, detailed, educating yeah, response to that question so. we've ever had. Before we wrap up here, uh, what music recommendation do you have for our viewers and listeners? I think everybody should listen to more Drake. Um, I, I think he's the, the he's my favorite artist of the generation. Um, and uh, I actually saw an artist who has a, a neon that says "Listen to more Drake." I was going to buy it. I should buy it. I probably still will buy it. Um, <laughs> But I think, uh, I don't know, when I'm listening to music just for my own pleasure, I either listen to rap music, you know, um, I love Drake, I love Kanye, uh, I love the greats, um, Eminem, Lil Wayne, um, or I'll listen to classic rock, um, or, you know, uh, I, love, I, I really love the White Stripes. I mean, if I was, uh, you know, from, the, from music from the last 20 years, if I was stuck on a desert island, um, I, I could bring those and be happy, you know, and then, then it goes back to classic rock, what we've talked about, some of those great artists from before, and I'll never get tired of that stuff. I love you know, it. I mean, one of the main rules in life is you never change the channel when the Beatles or Bob Dylan comes on, and as long as you stick with that, you'll be okay. Um, but I really believe that rap has become, you know, the most important music, and I think it's so amazing because a friend of mine said to me, do you realize that the... Uh, um, that the best, um, the, the worst rap lyricist is probably better than the best rock lyricist right now. It's really incredible. I mean, the, the level of wordplay and poetry and social consciousness and stuff that exists in rap now is, is uh, it's something to behold. I will put in a plug for a couple of my new artists. Please do. Coming out uh, shortly. One is a girl named Maddie Noise, M-A-T-Y. And her last name is Noise. Believe it or not, that's really her last name. N-O-Y-E-S, Maddie Noise. She has a new Kygo single that's out right now. It's Kygo featuring Maddie Noise. The song is called Stay. And we'll be releasing her debut uh, music uh, over the next couple of months. I think she's going to be a, 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 real, a real force. Um, we're also very, I'm very excited we're doing a new record now with Andy Black, 
Uh, Andy is the lead singer from Blackville Brides. For people that are listening, maybe many people will be familiar with them. Yeah, um, for sure we are. But, we're, but he, he goes by Andy Black for his solo stuff, and I think his, um, his new music is going to be... Uh, I, he's, he's a real rock star in, in an era when there aren't enough of them, or hardly any of them. And uh, he's a guy who... Uh, his, his time has come. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, and one more, I mean, I'm, there's, there's, you know, there's several artists, so I don't want to leave anybody out, but at the same time, one that I really think is a, is a, is a secret gem is a girl named Clarity, whose record we put out, and, and that's spelled Clarity, C-L-A-I-R-I-T-Y. So those would just be a few that I'll mention that I'm very, very excited about, aside from the bigger artists that we've already talked about. Of course, that we all know and love. Yeah. Absolutely. So if people want to find out more about you and, uh, and Lava Records, they can find that at lavarecords.com. Uh, Twitter and Instagram, they're both It's Jason Flum. I think that's right, yep. They're both It's yeah. Jason Flum. ITS Jason Flum. And uh, Russ, finally, uh, Lava Records US is your Facebook. That's yeah. it. And, ch- and the Church of Rock and Roll. Follow that and you're good. So I'm currently working on my next solo album, and you can hear my music at marcionovelli.com. I've... Um, Recently released my award-winning documentary, Walking Proof, which chronicles the making of my debut solo album, and you can watch that for free at marcianovelli.com slash walkingproof. Make sure to follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Spotify, which are all slash marcianovelli. And I'm working on websites for various artists at the moment. I've also started my first book, which I will talk about more at another time. Uh, you can check out my work and my blog post at electrickiwi.co.uk. You'll find me on Twitter and Instagram as Electric Kiwi and on Facebook Electric Kiwi Design. And this episode was brought to you by Chris Keaton Presents. Find out more about what our friend Chris does and how he can help you at chriskeaton.com. And if you'd like to sponsor the show, visit patreon.com slash bridge the Atlantic. Jason, this has been awesome. You are a gem, I guess I'll say. Well, that's very kind of you. You guys are all right. And I'm glad I didn't have to choose between you. I can't wait to see what's behind door number three. And I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Bridge the Atlantic. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So connect with us on there and let us know what you think of the show. Thanks for being awesome. And we'll see you next week. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.